It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we're back on the virtual bible study for thursday april 21st thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here Across the desk, as usual, Dad, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jacob. Great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. And uh, we have an interesting topic planned for this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Well, I guess you'd have to say it's timely. Well, it's timely and interesting. Because uh, the the religious world at large, at least those who identify themselves as Christians, are all abuzz about this being the week of Easter, Sunday being Easter Sunday, as men have designated it. Okay. And so we thought it'd be worthwhile to deal with some subjects relative to both Easter, the general question of observing religious holidays, uh, and then toward the end of the program, we want to spend just a little bit of time talking about, because there was a question that came in uh, uh, about Jesus' death, but in particular, what day did Jesus die on? We know that the prophecy had been three days and three nights before his resurrection, that he'd be in the tomb for three days and three nights. There have been a lot through the through the centuries this has been debated. There's been a lot of speculation on how you get that timing worked out. We're going to look at an explanation tonight, uh, and th- there may be some who differ with us. We're not going to get into a heated debate about it, but it might be interesting to discuss. We'll do that at the end of the program. Right. All right. Uh, the number to call to be a part of the program is 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com, and the chat room is open tonight, and you can join in with other listeners there. Uh, Follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window, and you can sign in without any personal information, so you can comment with other listeners on the program tonight. Earlier today in my inbox, an email came from you with some questions. Yep, as we always do on Thursday, or at least we always try to do and typically always do on Thursday, shortly after noon, send out an update advising you of what our topic will be and also uh, asking you to start giving us some feedback on some questions that we want to study. If you are on our update list but haven't been getting our updates, check your spam filter. Uh, That may be weeding us out, unfortunately. Check that, see if you can clear that. Have you been sending me uh, prescription medication emails? Is that why no. you get blocked out? No, I get a lot of those myself, too, but I, I haven't been sending any Okay, so you just, this mass emailing sort of triggers some of those. Yeah. Okay. And uh, to our, uh, so if you want to be on our update list and you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just put in the subject line, add me to the list. We'll do it. Uh, to our update list today, here were the questions we sent out. Number one, what do we know about the origin and observation of Easter? Uh, what, what, what's the history on that? Okay. Number two, how should we view the religious observance of special holidays such as Easter or Christmas? And then I ask a couple of follow-ups to that. Number one, or part 2A, so to speak, if you take the view that a religious observance of these days is wrong, May a Christian engage in any non-religious traditions of such days, such as Easter egg hunts and so forth. And then the other part of that question we also ask, could a Christian personally set aside a day for special emphasis on the death and resurrection of Jesus, a day to remember his birth or anything like that? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that, sort of, the, sort of the public or official observance versus could somebody observe something like that privately? We want to ask that question. And then finally, as we said, toward the end of the program, we'll spend just a little while talking about what day of the week did Jesus die on. All right. And anybody who comments has to comment briefly. We are not going to get into reading volumes uh, about this. If you've got a if you've got a point of view that you want to put forth, uh, you can do it in the chat room. You can send us an email. But it's got to be brief. We're not going to we're not going to get deep into that. All right. Eight, seven, seven, three, eight, one, four, five, six, seven. Email questions at collegeview.com. Join in the chat room. Other listeners, we've got some good uh, answers so far and very thought provoking answers in our email. You can send your comments in in the chat room or e- email as well. And if you're not signed in the chat room tonight, uh, do so 
you can follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window and uh, and go ahead and log in. Go ahead and do that just in case you want to comment in the future and also let us know who is out there if you want to use your name or your first name uh, just so we have an idea of who's listening tonight. We appreciate you being on the program, and we'll remind you this is a listener interactive program in which everyone benefits if you'll take a time uh, to send in your comments on the program tonight. Well, Easter is coming up. Uh, tomorrow is Good Friday. Uh, and now, where did I read about that in the Bible, Good Friday well, and Easter? Well, I mean, that, that's what people are calling it. Oh, okay. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> no, I was just doing that to emphasize something. That's true. That's true. I mean, everybody, if you mentioned, if you went out on the streets of our community or any community across America tonight and asked them, uh, what's tomorrow and what's Sunday? Yeah. Most everybody would say, well, it's Good Friday, tomorrow's Good Friday, and, sun- and Sunday's Easter. Yeah, you know, they're, sh- they're talking about shutting down my office tomorrow afternoon for Good Friday. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, and so it'd be an interesting question. Well, where did we where did we learn about that? Where do we read about that in the Bible, that observance? Okay, well, we well it's interesting uh, for you to, to mention that. I guess it goes along with your first question. Where does this come from? Because, uh, well, you know, I can read about Easter in the New Testament. I've done that. I've read about Easter in the New Testament. Well, in the King James Version of the, of the Bible, the word Easter actually is found. And, and you might turn to that if you have a King James Version. It's in Acts chapter 12, beginning verse 1. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Mm-hmm. There's Easter. It's, it's right, in it's the right Bible. There. there you go. Uh, That's it. We don't even have Christmas in the Bible. We've got Easter in the Bible. But, I've, uh, but, but you don't have to research very long or very hard to find out that that is a, a flawed translation in the King James Version. And by the way... To the people who think the King James Version is is a perfect translation or maybe a God-inspired yeah. translation of the Scripture, this probably gives them as much trouble as anything. They do have an answer for it. but Well, that's not supposed to be there. Obviously. It's not supposed it's, to be It's there. a bad translation. Yeah. Um, the word here is found 28 other times in the New Testament. The same word found 28 other times in the New Testament. Every time it's translated Passover. In fact, even in this context, in the previous verse, it mentions the days of unleavened bread, which were the Passover observance. This should be Passover. It should not be Easter. That same was, Greek word throughout. Exactly the same Greek word. Yeah. It's not Easter. It's Passover. Yeah. It should be translated Passover. And so there's the, the King James translation is wrong. Other versions like the American Standard Version have got it right. And your, in, your, your, your uh, center references in your King James Version might have that notation as well. Yeah, it should, be, it should be Passover. It's not Easter. Easter is not in the New Testament. So I can't it's read not about taught. Easter in the New Testament It's not taught all. in the New Testament. Okay. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, I, I was noticing in the chat room, uh, Anthony uh, from here in Columbia says, uh, uh, I'm baffled by an apparent push in our community for everyone to attend the church of your choice this Sunday in particular uh, folks have signs in their yards saying, see you on Easter dash God, as though God is. is he wants one. you to go to church. On the, Easter. Well, that God is the one who said that. See you at church okay. on Easter. Okay. Uh, Kevin in the chat room says, I had a friend that was striving to focus attention on this Sunday above all others. It's perplexing to me in light of what Scripture tells us about the more memorial to Jesus death. And I think that's I, I think that's a key that. The, the New Testament teaches us to observe the death of Jesus, to remember it, and we do that every first day of the week. Uh, there's, there's no example in the New Testament of a once-a-year observance of anything to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's just not in there. But what is in there is instruction, specific instruction, and I think most of our listeners are very familiar with 1 Corinthians 11, for instance, when the Apostle Paul uh, expounded, uh, he says, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, For I have received the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. And then he goes on to describe the Lord's Supper observance. Right. Now, the, the question comes up, well, how often were the, he, he says, For as off you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. 1 Corinthians 11, 26. How often are we supposed to do that? Well, Acts 20, verse 7 tells us uh, that they were doing it on the first day of the week. Exactly right. Our, our 
Our authority for observing it is in Acts, uh, when to observe it is in Acts 20, verse 7. It was observed on the first day of the week. Without the, any designation. The, the grammatical construction there indicates that it was an every first day of the week observance of first century Christians. Paul was in that company, by the way, who did that. And so with the uh, uh, approved apostolic example of Acts 20, verse 7, we learned that on the first day of the week, every first day of the week, we are to commemorate the death of Jesus by partaking the bread and the fruit of the vine in memory of his body and his shed blood. And there's nothing, there's absolutely no example of anything like an Easter observance in the New Testament, uh, a once-in-a-year practice. It's just not there. I like to remember Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, when I think of Acts chapter 20, verse 7. And Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 is the instruction for the Sabbath day, and it is very similar. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. There was no designation of a particular Sabbath, and therefore they weren't uh, just keeping the Sabbath on whatever Saturday they might have picked. They were keeping every Sabbath. That's right. In the Old Testament, when in the fourth commandment was remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, since it didn't say remember the first Sabbath of every month right. or the second Sabbath after the new moon uh, uh, that follows the spring equinox. Right? No, no, that, yeah. The fact that it didn't specify any specific Sabbath, the Jews properly applied that to mean, therefore, every time a Sabbath comes, we are to keep it holy. The same exact reasoning leads us to the conclusion from Acts 20, verse 7, that we should observe the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. All right. Since it, does, since it doesn't specify a a unique one, then every first day of the week is the day on which we observe the Lord's Supper to remember uh, the death of Jesus, the blood he shed for our sins. All right, Kevin is in the chat room tonight. If you're in the chat room, Kevin is supplying us with the Greek words and the Hebrew words uh, that are used to translate the word Passover, and it is the word that you referenced there, Dad, uh, and uh, that has been mistranslated Easter uh, Paul in the chat room references another uh, holiday that goes along with the uh, Easter holiday in the Catholic Church, the holiday of Lent. He said, a person at work asked me if I observe Lent. I said, I did not. He asked why. I said, it isn't in the Bible. And he said, sure it is. He proceeded to talk to me about Bible events, but he could not point out where the word Lent or that concept is taught. That's right. That's another tradition of men that's absolutely not founded at all in anything that's taught in the New Testament. Uh, and and yet people assume that it is so. All right. I think that, yeah, Paul's exactly right. All right. Well, it's about time for a break, and it's also time for you to give your comments in the chat room over email or on the phone tonight. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this. Enjoying the virtual. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Joel Gwynn, and a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful and active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. Here are some quotes to ponder. Trust not the world. It never pays what it promises. Always put off until tomorrow what you shouldn't do at all. Integrity means being good when nobody is looking. By improving yourself, the world is made better. 
Man, I wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And this we're back Greg on the program tonight, and we appreciate you for being there as well. If you're in the chat room tonight and you're not logged in, it's very easy, very simple for you to log in so you can chat with other listeners tonight. Some good comments going on and uh, maybe some some comical comments as well. If you'd like to keep an eye on those in the chat room tonight, we would encourage you to do that. As we talk about Easter and we want to know, is it in the Bible? You asked earlier today, Dad, is Easter, or what's, what's the origin the history, of Easter? What's the history and origin yeah, of the Where did it come from? If it's not Eric in the Bible, in the where did it come from? Eric in the chat room says that uh, he had heard uh, that it started by the worship of the sun god in winter. It was changed by the Catholic Church. He goes on and comes back and says it actually was the worship of the sun god. Uh, I, I found several different references. I, we got a couple emails on this, in fact. Bill, and I'm not sure where Bill's from, maybe Texas, he said, I studied this depth many years ago. Sadly, I've forgotten most of it. Easter is strictly a pagan holiday. Easter had been, has been celebrated even before Christ by pagan worshipers. Without going into much detail, the word Easter is, came from Esther, which was the name of Nimrod's mother, I think, in the Old Testament. Uh, sorry if I'm incorrect on details. Like I said, it's been years since I studied this. She proclaimed herself as a goddess and that her son would rise up again and so forth. Even the egg hunt came to play in those years. I wish I could remember the details. The Easter mentioned in Acts 12.4 was not in reference to Jesus' resurrection, but to the pagan holiday. Actually, it was a reference to the Passover. Uh, I like to call it a holiday, if you will, the the, resur- the resurrection day. Um, uh, I, I've got some other references that, that, that cite different sources. Uh, uh, one source I've got said Easter derived from Estra, a Teutonic goddess of spring. Many of the popular observa- uh, observances of Easter are pagan in origin. Some may be traced to the feast of the goddess of spring, es- Estra. The Catholic Church endeavored to give the Christian significance to such of the pagan rites as, as they could be not as they could not be rooted out. Uh, the great bonfires, which formed a part of the pagan festivals, had their counterpart in the the Paschal Tapers or Easter Candles uh, and so forth. The Easter Egg and Easter Rabbit are also of pagan origin. Okay. So uh, uh, there's some indication. Of that. I, I, I'm getting different reports of them coming. Yeah, if, where they came but, from, but it wasn't. It certainly wasn't biblical. And the idea seems to be that some of the pagan rites were carried over. And I, I have heard this, that the Catholics historically did this even in regards to the Christmas observance is that because they couldn't get the pagans to quit doing some of their pagan things they tried to incorporate some of that and sort of uh, authenticate it or authorize it uh, by making it a church observance churches are doing that today still trying to you know soften the, the message maybe make it more palatable don in antioch tennessee says for those who are interested and not afraid of the truth it doesn't take much research and you don't have to be a real smart person to learn that easter is pagan to the core the word Easter is only in the Bible one time, Acts 12, verse 4. And this is a wrong translation of the Greek word pasha, which means Passover. However, Easter as a pagan or heathen celebration or worship of false gods is all through the Bible. Ezekiel 8, verses 14 through 16, even describes an actual sunrise service for the sun god Tammuz. Uh, depending on the different a- ancient cultural pagan societies, the word Easter actually comes from several names of gods and goddesses of spring and fertility, including Ishtar, Ostra, Estra, Ostern, Ashtarte, Asherah, Ashtoreth, and many others. Okay, so Don, Don, Don has done his research. And he's suggesting that there may be multiple pagan connections to this observance. It's a okay. springtime observance, and so some are thinking that the pagans had... Uh, some connection in that way. Guess 152 suggests it was a Babylonian fertility goddess. Okay. So uh, we got multiple sources. All of them suggest some kind of pagan connection w- with that observance. But it doesn't matter if it's pagan or not. If it's not in the scriptures, then it needs to it's be. Not, it's not biblical. It's not taught. The first Christians under the guidance of inspired apostles never did such a thing uh, and never made it a, a, a and authorized observance of the, the Lord's church. That ought to be enough. If we can't read about it, the scripture's silent on it, we should leave it alone. Now, an interesting question has just shown up in the chat room from Paul. He says, I understand that Easter is a human tradition and not an authorized practice, 
But since we can tie it to the Jewish calendar, is the anniversary pretty accurate? I have assumed that it is at least very close to the anniversary of the resurrection. Am I correct? I think he is correct. I mean, we know that Jesus was crucified the week of the Passover. Correct. That even Jesus and his disciples, who were faithful Jews, observed the Passover meal just shortly before Jesus was arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can you can do a little calculating, calendar calculating, as to when the Jewish Passover would be. Mm-hmm. And that changes year by year because the Jewish calendar doesn't line up exactly with the Gregorian calendar. And so... Uh, that's why Easter is never the same day every year. Right. It has to do with the phases of the moon as it relates to the Jewish calendar and how that relates to our Gregorian calendar. But I do think that you could, you know, one of the complaints that we make about the Christmas observance is that, that there's just absolutely no way in the world that Jesus could have been born on December 25th. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't, it doesn't fit the biblical narrative. Of course, it, it likewise is something of human invention. The Bible never teaches us to observe uh, December 25th as the birthday of Jesus. But but that the picking of that date is, is bizarre because it doesn't fit with anything the New Testament even says about the birth of Jesus. On the other hand, Easter, which is an unauthorized religious observance, the name itself is not biblical, but at least in regards to what time of year Jesus was crucified— we can we can get close on that. Okay, it was on Passover because, because it, was, it is connected to the Jewish Passover. Okay, all right. And Good Friday then. Uh, Good Friday is celebrated the Friday before Easter. That is to, uh, as the Catholics have designated Dad to to uh, represent his crucifixion, the Easter Sunday to represent his resurrection. There's some other holidays that are associated with this period in the Catholic calendar as well, are there not? Yeah, well, it was already mentioned Lent and. Ash Wednesday. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Palm Uh, Sunday being the Sunday that Christ entered Jerusalem. Right. All right. What about Lent? Where does that come from? I don't know. What about Ash Wednesday? I don't know that either. Oh. Well. (laughs) I'm I'm not up on all the Catholic history, but I know that those things are not taught in the Scripture. Okay. Now, they they will try to make some connection to the events, the final events in the life of Jesus, uh, uh, no doubt, but they're not taught in the Scripture. All right. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And if you're not signed in the chat room, you're missing a good opportunity to join in with other listeners there. Oh, there's Monday, Thursday. What's yeah, that? That's the day before Good Friday. Okay. All right. What's the, what's the Wednesday before Thursday? That's Ash Wednesday. No, no, no. Ash Wednesday. Oh, that, that's back before. Yeah, that's, that's before right. Lent starts, yeah, right? Yeah. That's right before Lent starts. I don't know. Okay. Well, you need a playbook to keep up with it all. Let us know your thoughts. And the playbook is not the Bible. Oh, that's true. All right. We got Dan behind the controls tonight. Dan's doing a great job. Thanks, Dan, for your work. Uh, Let's go to to something that does perhaps have some practical application. Uh, We asked the question. um, let Let me get to my questions I sent out. We asked the question, how should we view the religious observance of special holidays such as Easter or Christmas? Let's talk about that first. What would you do if the church that you were a member of said, well, Easter's coming up and we're going to have these special observances. We're going to have we're going to have uh, Ash Wednesday and we're going to have Lent. We're going to do all the other things, uh, uh, Palm Sunday and, and then, of course, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And we're going to do all of that. Uh, and he- here's how it's going to be done. Here's how it's going to be overseen. This is going to be a part of our annual uh, function or work of the church. Okay. How would we view that? All right. We have time to take your comments. Send them in now in the email and chat room, or better yet, give us a call and let us know if the church you attend is going to establish a holiday like Easter, or they're going to call it whatever, you know, whatever they want to call it. Maybe they're going to call it Monday something or else. What would you do? Well, my first answer to that would be Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. If we're going to make this a function of the church, if this is going to be a work of the church, if this is going to be something overseen by the elders of the church, this is our work, then we're going to have to have authority for it. Everything we, everything we do is to be by the authority of, of the Lord. And, and you know, there, there's just not any authority. As we've said, these days are, are invented by men. 
and there's not scriptural authority for the practice of it. And so uh, I would certainly object based upon Colossians 3.17 and the whole concept of Bible authority. All right. Uh, so you say we have to have Bible authority for doing it. Uh, and um, so to bind that would be to be, uh, well, obviously, Dad, this is the commandment of men, and Jesus com- condemned binding commandments of men. Yes, that's exactly right. And I think that's the key expression, binding the ordinances and commandments of men. Since I can't read about them in the scriptures, then for me to say, okay, this is a holiday that you've got to celebrate, I'm putting my personal judgment opinion on you, and I can't do that. What, what if, if you could do that, why couldn't somebody else come along and pick another day of the year and institute a different observance? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to suggest the third Sunday in September as an observance of the day that Paul was shipwrecked. Ooh, that would be a good one. And so, you know, we're going to have all kinds of special church functions r- related to the third Sunday in September, the day that the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked. And what kind of kind of things would you do? I don't know. Would you be, would you hunt bottles with messages in them out in the church? I don't know. Church? I don't know but but what I'm saying is, once we begin to engage the church in things for which there is no authority, then we can't stop. Yeah. If if you if you can have Easter now, the only reason why Easter is accepted is because it's been done for a long time. Right. But it, it we have no more authority than that than for shipwreck Sunday or first the first Sunday in October is the day that Jesus got left behind in the temple when he was twelve. So, so we're gonna leave all the kids here at, uh, at the building <laughs> when we go home for lunch. Uh, you know, there is a verse that some people throw out in re, in regards to this Galatians chapter four, uh, verse ten. Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. For, for a long time, I've heard that verse used as a verse to address this idea of the religious observance of Easter and Christmas and so forth. I actually think that's probably not a great way to use that text. In the in the text of Galatians, Paul is dealing with the fact that some were trying to reinst- uh, were trying to obligate Gentile converts to observe certain elements of the Old Testament law of Moses. And in fact, in the verse just preceding, he says, "Now after ye have." known God, or rather known, are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? That bondage that's all through the context here of Galatians is the bondage of the Old Testament law of Moses. And so Paul was, was making strong and logical arguments in this section of Galatians to prove that they should not go back mm-hmm. and put themselves under obligation to keep the law of Moses. And so it's in that context that he mentions the observance of days and months and times and years. He's talking about the Jewish law. And he and the, that verse is in reference to some who were trying to go back and require the observance of those days, those special days that were taught that the Jews had to keep under the law of Moses. This doesn't have anything at all to do with Easter or Christmas. And I think it's probably a misuse probably of is. the text. Yes, I think so. All right. What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. We're going to take a break. Hit this week's bullet point, and we'll continue the discussion on the other side. Easter is clearly a man-made holiday. What would you do if the church where you attend began to practice and uh, observe Easter? What would you do? How should you handle that? And uh, we'll get into some other issues as well. Uh, Kevin in the chat room has an interesting question. Uh, uh, Or Jason, actually. Jason is in Pennsylvania. He said, did Jesus observe a man-made holiday such as Purim or Hanukkah? What do you think about that? I don't know. I, I, I think I could answer some of it by saying I don't know, and the Scripture doesn't mention it. Okay. It doesn't mention Jesus' participation in that. Right. Okay. Good, good question there. Um, and uh, there'll be other interesting questions as we go along. So we'll get this week's bullet point out of the way and hopefully take your comments and your questions on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. The concept of no rules seems initially appealing to many people. Just think, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want. That would be wonderful. But wait a minute. If I can do whatever, whenever, wherever, then so can everybody else. And that means their actions may impact upon me. They might decide to take my car, burn my house, or steal my children. If there are no rules, then they can do anything, and there's no basis to stop them. Rules, we come to realize, are extremely necessary. 
my rights, my property, in fact, my very existence depend upon rules. Without them, civilization would come to an end. Religion is no different. Rules are clearly necessary. If allowed to do whatever we want, there's no end to the chaos that results. The confused and divided religious world of our day is a testimony against the misguided notion that man should do as he pleases when it comes to serving God. How can we know what is right? How can we be assured that God is pleased? On what basis can we judge that certain religious deeds are proper and others are wrong? Surely these matters cannot be left to the subjective feelings of men. The I'm okay, you're okay approach is a proven failure. There must be something objective and certain that will direct us as we seek God. The objective standard we seek is the inspired Word of God. It is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, Psalms 119.105. God's Word is the truth, John 17.17, 17, and it can make us free, John 8, verse 32. With the divinely inspired rule book in hand, we must respect it and comply with its regulations. This would include speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent, 1 Peter 4, verse 11, and demanding book, chapter, and verse for everything we do, Colossians 3.17. Anything less will lead to the anarchy of no rules. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Good uh, choice of bumpers there, Dan. Uh, we do have to have authority for all that we do. And we simply cannot find authority for celebrating the Easter holiday in the scriptures. And that's where uh, we must draw the line. We must do what the scriptures say or else uh, the question has been posed, where do you stop? What's the standard if you're not going to follow the scriptures? All right. We're dealing with a question. How should we view the religious observance of special holidays such as Easter or Christmas? If you take the view that a religious observance of these days is wrong, may a Christian engage in any non-religious traditions on such days, Easter egg hunts, Christmas trees, so forth? Okay, good question. And could a Christian personally set aside a day for a special emphasis on the death of and resurrection of Jesus or the birth of Jesus and so forth? We got some emails on this. Sure. Um, I like Don's. Okay, go with Don. Don in Antioch says... We should not view Easter or Christmas as religious holidays because the Bible does not authorize it. Nowhere in the Bible is there authorization for a religious celebration for an annual Easter Sunday or a December 25th holiday for the birth of Jesus. Now, he says this, I fully believe that there should be no uh, uh, such a strong outrage against the way Christians act on Easter and Christmas that we should have nothing to do with it whatsoever. This means family dinners, exchanging presents, teaching our kids about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. This is so outrageous it makes me sick. Putting up Christmas trees, sporting new clothes, etc. I mean, what are people thinking? Knowing what Jesus had to go through for us, do Christians actually believe that Jesus is happy with our mockeries by frolicking around like a bunch of pagans, hunting for eggs and playing with bunnies and ducks? This is so immature, silly, and sinful the way these holidays are celebrated is like doing, in a big way, the very sins that Jesus preached so much against. And to make it worse, actually doing these sins in his name while saying, thank you, Jesus, for dying for these sins we enjoy so much doing. They say it's for the kids, but my wife and I have repented for the way we raised our kids, and we have apologized to them over and over for following along with the same traditions by which we were raised. To go along with Easter and Christmas traditions... We are marrying truth with a lie and celebrating a common holiday with non-Christians. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Second Corinthians chapter 6, 14 and 15. I don't think there's any doubt that Don, we know where Don comes stands. down strongly on yes. the side that absolutely you shouldn't have anything at all to do with those days. Um, Bill says, I take the position that both Easter and Christmas are pagan holidays. I do not take the position that we shouldn't observe either of them. I think we should celebrate both the birth and the resurrection of Christ. This is not even a matter of authority for me. I do not need authority to celebrate anyone's birth. As far as what day, why don't we celebrate? Why don't we do our celebrations on Thanksgiving? After all, we should be thankful for both the birth and the resurrection. There may be a point there that, that Bill's making in sort of a tongue-in-cheek way. You know, w when we speak to the fact that there's no authority for a, a religious observance of Easter or Christmas, 
it should not be taken, and I hope nobody takes it, that we're not thankful for the fact that Jesus was born or that we're not thankful for the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross and and the victory over the over death when he was resurrected from the grave. I hope everybody understands that. Okay. Uh, Frank in Indianapolis, Indiana, says, My answer is a resounding no. I'm one of those old-fashioned Christians that has a very strong feeling about not being involved in anything that might mislead a, my neighbor, a weak Christian, or my own family. I do not think a Christian has the right to be doing anything, celebrating holidays, visiting parties, attending family affairs, attending movies, or participating in any activity that leaves anyone with a question about my supporting the activity. If it leaves them with a question about my Christian strength of service to God, better activities are related to Christian functions, Bible study groups, church worship services, our own or visiting with congregations holding special meetings, special church activities that cannot leave an observation of anyone that questions whether they are appropriate for me to be attending. Our best answer to anyone who questions us about our activities is to be able to say, I was about my father's business at the time of preparation. Okay, so we got another definite no. Don't have anything to do with those days. All right, let's hear from Frank's a dear friend for a long time. I I would would have to, to, to... Probably disagree with him to some extent. Let me give you one well, more. Well, I don't. Okay, no, I don't know. You would to some extent. You you don't you don't understand. You don't disagree with him about the principle. No, that but, you don't want to give the wrong impression. You don't agree with him about the principle. You but, may, uh, the application you may per- disagree about. Well, uh, I, I don't. Th- I don't think it's wrong for Christians to attend family affairs. No, he's uh, saying if it, if, it, if these family affairs would give the wrong impression. Well, uh, even even if it if it's if it's Easter Sunday and we get together for a family meal. Do you think that my neighbor is necessarily going to infer from that that I celebrating Easter? Is celebrating Easter? I that's think true. Not necessarily. That's true. Okay, so. that's true. I, 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 but I, 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 I mean, if they would, if they would, you wouldn't do it. I, I don't want to leave anybody right. with the wrong impression. My, I think there's some judgment here, and these these answers that we've read are are strongly worded in such a fashion that I think it maybe doesn't leave us some room for judgment. I don't want to leave a misimpression, but I don't think my neighbor gets a misimpression if he sees my family gathered on. Christmas Day or on on Easter Sunday or something else. I don't think that my neighbor necessarily because that's become it's become such a secularized day. Both those days have been right. that I don't think anybody necessarily assumes that we have some doctrinal stance on Easter or Christmas because they see us at a family gathering on that day. That would be the gist of the, my, the, my the, uh, uh, quibble. Okay. Uh, All right. Let me Let's read, hear from you, from you in the chat room tonight. Lots of comments coming in, but what do you think? How do you agree? Do you agree with Don? Do you agree with Frank? Do you agree with Bill? Let me read Anthony. On this? Let me read Anthony. Uh, this, is, I think, will be an opposing view to what we've just read. Anthony says, I do believe it would be wrong to engage in religious observance of these holidays. However... Easter and Christmas are recognized secular holidays in the United States. They are part of our culture in this nation. Granted, they had, and to many people still have, origin in religious observances, but today these two holidays in particular have a clearly secular emphasis. The reason we do not make religious days out of Easter or Christmas is because we have no Bible authority to do so. But we do have personal liberty to engage in celebrations of secular activities. Therefore, I personally have no qualms with observing these the secular trappings of Easter and Christmas. At the same time, I do sympathize with those who want to have no association whatsoever with any holiday that was or even partially is tied to religious themes. If someone takes this extremely conservative view, however, I would have to point out that this would preclude us from many practices and even words that we use in our daily lives. For example, the names of our days of the week are overtly tied to Norse mythology. We should, so should we coin our own words for the days of the week so that we do not condone paganism? Just a thought, not a jibe. Okay. I, that, that's uh, Anthony has really uh, honed in on on my position on that. I, the, I'm sure there was a time, and it may be so in some instances today, that There's people can't certain. that people can't separate the secular from the religious. And if that's the case, then I, I mean, and if people feel strongly that they shouldn't participate, then I I can honor that conviction altogether. But for those who are just simply making a a non-religious, purely secular, traditional national holiday I, I i can't object tomorrow you mentioned jacob that several companies will be 
closing their doors tomorrow on Good Friday. If I'm a Christian working in one of those places, should I not take holiday pay? Should I not take the day off with pay? I'm going to show up at work just to show you that I'm not observing. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. No. So, so what we're saying is that there's 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 judgment involved in this question, and and that we have to leave room for some people to exercise their judgment. I want people to know that I think that Easter and Christmas are not authorized for the church to observe. But I'm going to leave some room for judgment as to how people make their judgments in regards to their personal practice in a non-religious fashion. Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567 or email your comments to questions at collegeview.com. And be sure to join in the chat room. Lots of good comments there tonight. Real quickly, let's go to the other part of that question. Could a Christian personally set aside a day? In other words, uh, what if I were to say uh, on... Next Tuesday, mm-hmm. I'm going to spend the day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a day off of work. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a vacation day, and I'm going to spend the whole day. I'm going to I'm going to read the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pray and meditate and be thankful for the fact that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary in the city of Bethlehem, laid in a manger, and the shepherds came. Uh, I'm going to remember the day of Jesus' birth. I'm going to spend a whole day. I'm going to just devote myself that day to being thankful for the fact that Jesus came to live as a man here upon earth and to be a savior for us in our lost state. Can I do that? Well, here's what Don says. He says, of course, by typing this very email, I had to set aside time and will do so again when I listen to the program. As individuals, we can do our own Bible studies, pray, worship anytime we want, and with whatever religious emphasis we want, as long as we keep it scriptural. That's the key. Okay. So Don agrees that you could do something like that, right? And I I don't know why. I don't think anybody would object to that. You wouldn't be violating any any principle of Scripture to do that. Now, if I started establishing a human tradition and enforcing it on others to do what I decided to do next Tuesday, then I'd be crossing the line. But as long as it was a purely personal matter, I think I could do that. All right, let's muddy the waters a little bit. Take it one step further. What if you wanted to celebrate or you wanted to remember Christ's death or his birth on December 25th or on Easter Sunday? What would you think about that? Well, again, if if I'm at liberty to do it, I'm at liberty to do it whatever day I want to do it. My judgment would be it'd be a bad choice to do it on the days that men have corrupted with all their with all their uh, bindings, false religious practices. But I, I think you'd have to. Here's the here's the next step that I that that uh, might be a, a question. Could a local congregation could we say as a local congregation next Sunday, the first Sunday in May, we're going to spend that day and the whole church is going. We, we, we're all we're, for for our sermons on that day. We're going to deal with the biblical texts that talk about the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And our emphasis, we're going to we're, we're going to sort of have a theme for our worship on that day, and we're going to focus on the birth of Jesus. Okay. On that Sunday, could yeah. could, could we under the uh, could, could our elders lead us in doing such a thing? themed or, Sunday? Theme Sunday. All right. Now you have really muddied the waters. We're going to take a break and let the waters settle out a little bit, but we'll take your comments in the chat room tonight. What do you think about that? Would you uh, would you think that it'd be okay for the church to set aside a special Sunday to do, to remember certain things or to have a theme? Let us know about that. We'll take a break, and when we get back from the break, we've also got in the question: When did Jesus die? Because Good Friday may not be Good Friday to hey, use the Catholic we're, terminology. We're going to have here. to go fast to get to all that. We're going to try and get to that on the other side of the break, and so we'll look forward to you staying tuned. And your comments on the question, uh, what about the church setting aside separate and special days? Let us know your thoughts. We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. 
Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Computers are good for lots of things, but there's no better way you could be using yours than to participate in the virtual Bible study every Thursday night. Can you think of a better use of your time? My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We are back on the program tonight. Lots of ground to cover, and so we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, send in your comments in the chat. No, nobody took the opportunity to comment, Dad, on your uh, on your question about the... Uh, uh, I'll I, I go out on a limb. I would say we can. If our elders led us to, a, to observe a, th- a theme, theme on a Sunday, it could be a theme about anything. We, we, let's, would it be wrong if, we, if the elders said, we want the next Sunday f- for our theme to be personal evangelism? Right. Would would anybody object to that? Yeah. I don't think so. So would we object to the next Sunday we wanted the theme to be the birth of Christ? Yeah. I, I, I think you could. I think you got to be careful. Obviously, be careful. Be safe. And, we don't want, and again, to Frank's point, we don't want to mislead anybody, but I think that, that that would be within the realm of things that could be done. All right. Guest 671 says, since Jesus originally set up the Lord's Supper on a day other than Sunday, we cannot follow his example. Why can we not? Why can we not? I think his this, his authority supersedes that it, the example found in Acts or has as much biblical authority since it was reiterated in First Corinthians by Paul. Jesus says it off as you do this. Well, what do you think about that? Well, that goes to the Lord's Supper, and we're, that's really off topic, and we're going to we're we're short on time anyway. But Jesus told us Jesus, Jesus example in a lot of things. Jesus told us what to do. He didn't tell us when to do it. Okay, the apostles. Uh, the, the inspired example of the Apostle Paul in Acts 20, verse 7, tells us when to do it. Jesus told us what. Paul's example tells us when. Okay. All right. Now, on to the question. Jesus was crucified on what day? All right. Uh, real quickly. Dan, we got some, uh, we're going to look to some charts that maybe Dan's might be help on this. Uh, we know that Jesus, I, I believe Jesus died on Friday. And, uh, and in fact, I believe that Jesus died sometime after 3 p.m. on Friday. According to Matthew 27, uh, there was darkness over the land till the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then Jesus gave up the ghost sometime after that. Jesus arose on Sunday morning. John 20, verse 1 says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, into the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. So if he died on Friday because it was preparation of the Sabbath day, they, they had to take him off the cross John, John 19 says because it was the preparation of the Sabbath day. That Sabbath day was a high day, it says. Okay. I think related to the Jewish observance so of Passover. So it was the day before the Sabbath. So he died on Friday sometime after 3 p.m. He rose early on Sunday morning. The big question is from fr- Friday afternoon until Sunday morning, how does that come out to be three days and three nights? Here's a chart, Dan. H. Leo Bowles in his commentary on Matthew said, The Jews had no word corresponding to our natural day of 24 hours or from midnight to midnight. Their meaning was expressed by a word meaning a night day. And to this they added the custom of saying night and day for what we mean by a natural day or a revolution, a revolution of the earth. Hence, to express the time of a part of three consecutive days, they were obliged to say three night days or three days and nights. Now, the question is, is that just a cop-out? In other words, Bowles is trying to get around an obvious sticking point. Is that just, is he just copping out with that explanation? I think the answer is no. And I think we can go to some Old Testament examples to show that the Jews did, in fact, do that. Basically, what Bowles is saying, when the, any part of a 24-hour period, the, Jew, the Jews referred to that as a, a, a night day or a day and a night. For instance, in 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem. But when you get to verse 8, it says, And Abijam slept in his, with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. And in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, reigned Asa over Judah. If we did the math, from the 20th, uh, uh, the 20th year, from the 18th to the 20th year, we would say that was just two years that uh, 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 
Nebat reigned, uh, the son, uh, excuse me, Abijah, Abijah reigned over Judah. 20 years minus 18 years, two years. But to the Jews, he reigned part of that 20th, part of the 19th, part of the 18th makes three years. So any part was referred to as a whole is in that example. Right. Here's another example. First Kings chapter 12, beginning verse three, Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spoken to Rehoboam saying, thy father made our yoke grievous. Now, therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy, uh, thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put, put upon us lighter and we will serve thee. And he said to them, depart yet for three days, then come to me again. And the people departed. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had appointed. Right. In other words, they didn't they didn't wait three full days. They came to him on the third day because they understood that's what he meant when he right. said leave and come back in three days. All right. Then we got another example from Esther. In Esther chapter four verse sixteen, Esther said, "Go gather." Together, all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. And it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house. In other words, she didn't wait three full days, on the third day. And they understood that's what it meant. So, there's some real quickly, and we could spend a lot more time on that. But real quickly, we got some Old Testament examples of how the Jews understood the part of a year or the part of a day. Any part was referred to as a whole. Okay. All right. And so, in the case of Jesus, part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday, to them would have satisfied the the prophetic claim that Jesus would be in the grave three days it and three nights. It works grammatically. You've shown that. In other words, the, to the Jews, that's what they, how they would have counted that time. It's not the way we count time, but how they would have counted time. But a really great example from the New Testament is in Acts chapter 10, uh, the case of Cornelius. You remember in verse 3, Acts chapter 10 at verse 3, Cornelius had a vision. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, it doesn't tell us what day of the week it was, but for point of reference, I'm going to say, let's call that Monday. It was the ninth hour. It was 3 o'clock on Monday. Obviously, Monday's my choice. It doesn't tell us what day it was, but say that was Monday. We know it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon on that day. Okay, that's verse 3. All right, verse 9. It says, on the morrow, as they went on, he sent some men to, to go get Peter. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So it was the next day at the sixth hour, noon. Mm-hmm. Call that Tuesday. Tuesday. On Tuesday at noon, okay. Peter went up to the rooftop to pray. Okay. Verse 23. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So they didn't leave immediately. He, he, he housed them overnight and they left to go back to Cornelius on the next day. Call that Wednesday. Now you're making these days up. I'm making these days up. But it up. started Monday at noon. Now this is Wednesday, sometime Wednesday. It's, it started Monday afternoon, Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. Okay, afternoon, yes. Huh? They arrived on Tuesday about noon. Mm-hmm. Peter wasn't in a, a, a tremendous hurry to leave. He housed them that night on Wednesday, just picking random days. The next day, call it Wednesday, they left to go back to Cornelius. And then verse 24, and the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and called together his kinsmen and near friends. That was the next day, so that would have been Thursday. And in fact, according to verse uh, 30, it was at 3 o'clock on that day. Hmm. So it was exactly 72 hours, uh-huh. three days, three 24-hour yep. periods, exactly three days. If, if, if I was on Thursday... And I was talking about something that happened back on Monday. It's Thursday afternoon, and I want to talk about something that happened Monday. It, it didn't happen yesterday, Wednesday. It didn't happen two days ago, Tuesday. It, did, it happened three days ago on Monday. I would say three days ago on Monday, this is what happened. But notice what Cornelius said, verse 30. Cornelius said four days ago. I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Cornelius didn't say it was. We would say that that vision he had had occurred three days prior. In fact, it was exactly 72 hours prior. We would say three days ago I had this vision, but Cornelius said four days ago it happened. How's he counting time? Part of Monday, all of Tuesday, all of Wednesday, part of Thursday, 
Again, those are we're arbitrarily assigning those days of the week. But four days, he's saying four days because it was a part of four days. And that's how they count their time. It's not the way we count time. It's how they counted time. I think that's that definitively proves how time was counted in that era. Therefore, that proves that what H. Leo Bowles said about counting the three days and three nights Jesus was in the tomb is accurate. He was in the tomb part of Friday, all of Saturday, part of Sunday, three days and three nights. That's how the Jews would have, would have regarded it. And in fact, in Matthew, in Matthew's account, when the Jews asked for Pilate to put a guard at the tomb, uh, they said, this is Matthew 27, verse 63. Sir, we remember that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And so uh, the Jews understood how that time would be counted, and that's why they asked for the guard in the fashion that they did. I think that answers the question. Uh, again, that's, that's a question that's been debated a lot through the centuries, but that's, I think, a, a pretty reasonable explanation. Well, you know, we might use the same terminology. You said we wouldn't use the same terminology. We might use the same term- terminology today. Say so you you purchase something on Friday afternoon, and on you, you, you had it on Saturday. Maybe you bought a new car on Friday afternoon. You, you drove it on Saturday, Sunday morning you drive it to the worship assembly and someone asks you how long have you had your new car well, i would say two days you say you had it three you've had it three friday saturday and sunday uh, that's that's typically not the way we would express it though we would say usually if you think about that we would usually say how long how long you had that new car I, i've had it two days i got it on friday i just uh, it's, well, i don't know i think you so. might i might say i, 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 think, I think i'd be it. accurate saying i've had it three i've had it part of friday saturday and part of sunday okay there's right. been a, while we've been doing that, there's been a tremendous lot of chatting going on in the chat yep. room, yep. Uh, and, and we've we've lost uh, we we haven't kept up with that. Uh, I think they're um, still debating as to whether or not a person could engage in a a eat, private observance of a day to hunt. remember the birth of Jesus, to remember the death of Jesus, and so forth, or eat jelly beans, or to do Easter egg hunts. Yeah. Uh, one guest uh, says we we know uh, we need to educate those who do not know. I think it is. I think there is a point here. We do not want to downplay the unscriptural practice of of the majority of the denominational religious world in regards to Easter. They don't have authority for what they're doing, and we don't want to leave a, an uncertain answer in regards to that. There's no authority for religious observance of Easter or Christmas. We can't teach it. We can't. We can't engage in it as something, as a work of the church, an authorized part of the of the activities of the church. We can't bind that tradition or that commandment of men. Uh, all of that is wrong, and I, I think we've got to make sure that we leave that as uh, as our clear and definitive point in our study tonight. And we don't want to give the impression, whatever, and that's going to be a personal decision. We don't want to leave the impression that we're engaged in something that the scriptures don't authorize. And so uh, some may make the decision that I'm not going to I'm not going to eat jelly beans. I'm not going to uh, do anything. Uh, if that's your judgment, we uh, I can honor it. And I and we can appreciate it. Yeah. Someone might say, well, it doesn't give the wrong impression if I eat jelly beans or I have a Cadbury cream egg or whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think you have to leave room for judgment in that. Uh uh, Paul says in the chat room, some that call themselves churches of Christ have crossed the line. They have opened a door that has eventually flooded. They maybe began with they are expecting a resurrection sermon, so I'll give them one, and then on and on. And I do think that there's a principle that Paul states there that is legitimate, that we have to be real careful not to initiate things that will lead to other things. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 first step might you might could argue is not technically wrong, but it's in a direction that will lead to things that are wrong. And so the, to be cautious, we don't even take that first step in that direction. Okay. All right. Uh, well, I think we're out of time, but we've had a good discussion tonight, and hopefully uh, we've answered some questions that some might have about the holiday of Easter. Uh, Dan has done a great job behind the controls tonight. Dan, thank you for taking 
uh, time out of your schedule to be here tonight. And, Dad, I appreciate the good discussion with you. Thank you, Jacob. What are we talking about next week? Not sure. We're always open to suggestions. All right. Send your suggestions in to questions at collegeview.com. We had some suggestions this week. We may need to follow up with some of those. I look forward to hearing from you. If you have a news subject, maybe you hear a news study, you know, keep your ears open. If you see there's a religious connection or a spiritual connection to a story you hear in the news, uh, send that in, and we can uh, maybe we can get someone to interview uh, along the lines of that news story. We'd like to hear from you if you have a potential topic that you'd like to hear discussed on the Virtual Bible Study, or if you have any questions about something that you've heard on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study or any edition of the Virtual Bible Study, regardless of when you listen. We'd like to hear from you at questions at collegeview.com. We look forward to talking with you again this time next week on another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.